Hi, Philmanics. Welcome to the show. Thanks for tuning in. Today, we have a special guest, Steve Hafer, who is one of my favorite TV directors. Steve is known for directing Henry Danger, iCarly, Zoe 101, and more. He's also a podcast producer and host. Steve, welcome to the show today. Thank you very much, Marilyn. It's great to be here. Oh, we're so glad to have you. I, I wanted to ask you, where are you uh, recording and streaming live from today? Uh, I am up in the southern Washington state, uh, about 30 minutes away from downtown Portland, Oregon. Uh, it's where I've lived for getting close to 10 years now, and I uh, just commute down to L.A. Uh, as I need to work on different projects. But uh for the last year, I've kind of been camped up out here. <laughs> wow. So you commute all the way from Portland, Oregon to, wow, to come work. That's amazing. So, well, it's I'll, not an everyday thing. It's a, I keep a, uh, an apartment down in the Burbank area. Okay. Okay. Great. So, yeah. So, um, Steve, as you know on the show, well, we always talk about favorite films to start off. And I want to know what is one of your favorite films growing up as a kid that you loved? Um, Willy Wonka is definitely one of those, uh, along with uh, The Sound of Music. Uh, and then I remember being incredibly bored one summer. Uh, my friends and I were just hanging out around the house too much. And so mom kicked us out and said, go see this movie down at the theaters downtown. And we didn't know what it was. It was called Rocky. And uh, it was a wow moment <laughs> for movies. It's like, wow, this is amazing. I'm so glad mom made me to go go see it. And uh, it's one of those movies that I rewatch, you know, every couple of years. Just still love the film. Ah, oh, your mom is so annoyed. Hey, go out of the house and go watch a movie and she and you see Rocky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I actually uh, interned for Erwin Winkler out here in Beverly Hills. Uh, one of the producers of Rocky. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. And he would always go, Marilyn. And he had an office full of plants, green plants. Like there was a plant in every corner of his office. It was just all plants, potted plants. And he was so nice and lovely. <laughs> so, yeah. So I love Rocky, too. So that's a good one. Uh, I wanted to know, um, you know, you're, uh, you know, you guys all know that I love directing. But um, I wanted to know, since you were a director, TV director, is there a criterion uh -huh. film that possibly inspired you to your career path? Um, I think uh, since I do a lot of TV, there's a there's a movie and a television show. Uh, one of the movies was Twelve Angry Men, the old Henry Fonda movie. Um, I love that because I was a theater major at USC. Uh, I, I studied theater. I took a couple film courses there um, at the wonderful film school, but. 12 Angry Men, which was written as a play originally, and they shot it, and it was a courtroom drama, so it looked attainable to me, and it looked like something that was kind of the blending of both worlds, which is kind of why I'm a sitcom director, because I love the rehearsal process that you have during the week. You usually have three days of rehearsal, and we shoot for two days. Um, and so I, I love that aspect of my old theater roots that I bring uh, you know, to television, and that's why uh, Cheers, the, the sitcom Cheers, was really the thing that made me want to direct because I thought, wow, look at that ensemble cast and the cool set. And it's just, it's all done in the words and the characters. There's not a lot of stunts and not a lot of gimmicks. It was just like theater. And that's the thing that always kind of attracts me to it. So uh, I'd say, yeah, 12 Angry Men, Cheers are probably as responsible as anything else. 
<laughs> okay, great. So, so speaking of leading up to that, since you're director, I was wondering, do you have a favorite um, director? And could you share like one of your favorite directing shots from a, a movie? Uh, yeah, absolutely. There's, gosh, there's so many. Um, I think it's probably a three-prong answer. Overall, Steven Spielberg is my, he and Alfred Hitchcock have always been my go-to guys for film. Love, love them both, just all their works. And because of the variety of shots or the, the way scenes are edited together, they're, they're amazing. But I also have a special love for Rob Reiner and Nora Ephron because I love those kind of romantic comedy movies. Um, and uh, they're great. But one of my favorite shots in filmmaking of all time is from a Brian De Palma film called Blowout which starred John Travolta and John Lithgow. And for those who don't know, uh, in a nutshell, John Travolta is a industry film sound man, and he's a mixer. And he was out one night with his portable uh, unit getting different sounds of owls and crickets and the babbling brook and the wind in the trees. And he hears a car crash, which was preceded by either a tire blowing out or possibly a gunshot, and the murder takes place. Well starts going you know crazy and the authorities are after him for the evidence the bad guys are after him to silence him and there's a shot where he comes into his lab to find uh, the tapes that he needs well De Palma has taken a crane and he's inverted his camera underneath the crane and put a motor on top of it and he lowers the crane down into the set so it just looks like it's panning the room to start with and he comes to the door of the room and Travolta comes in and he goes camera left as the as the camera follows him but then he stops and the camera keeps going and it just keeps circling the room and travolta keeps going in and out of the shot and it helps to build up that that frantic feeling that he must have because he can't find the evidence as he needs so the camera just keeps moving around and around at a decent pace and travolta goes in and out and he's searching and he's making a bigger mess of the room it's a fantastic shot it's really really cool but De Palma, as he was with the untouchables and other stuff has a lot of good shots <laughs> Oh wow, yeah. I'm gonna watch that because um that sounds incredible. I wish I wish I had a crane. I've never been able to use anything but like a skateboard and a dolly <laughs> on my short <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> I love I love using dollies and I, I've gotten to use jibs, not full on cranes, but uh, you know, <laughs> you get as close as you can get. <laughs> yeah. Well speaking of um well you since you do TV, y'all well, you don't use drones. Have you used drones for any of the films yet? Um that you you do? Because I know you do films as well. We we you yeah, we tried using a drone. Um, I think it was on the television series uh, Game Shakers um, with uh, Kel Mitchell and uh, the, the cast of kids. And um, it was an earlier drone, and it was having trouble inside the soundstage. We were using it in the soundstage because we had a, a big multi-level set, so we were trying to pull off this one shot. But uh, it was having trouble connecting with its GPS link. So it wasn't turning out to be very accurate, uh, so we ended up only getting a couple shots from that and we had to go back and use the jib and just kind of recreate the best that we could uh, we still got good shots so it, it would have been neat if the drone could have uh pulled it off but that was my one experience i have a drone myself and uh one of the things i've been doing over covid is uh trying to get to be a much better pilot of it <laughs> oh, oh gosh i can't wait to like fly one my my neighbors are youtube they have a youtube house over there creators and they have a drone so i was like oh can i try it <laughs> So, yeah. yeah. So, I, I highly recommend it. It's a lot of fun. Ah, wow. That's so exciting. Well, what's even more exciting, um, our audience would love to learn how you started 
um, your career, career path to becoming this fabulous director and TV. And uh, we'd love to find out, like, where did you start? Uh, you, did you grow up in um, or, or, or Oregon over there? No, I actually grew up in Northern California uh, in the North Bay in the, the wine country, Santa Rosa, uh, where Charles Schultz, the cartoonist, lived most of his life, uh, at least his adult life. Um, I, uh, when I was down to USC, I was looking for a job and I got a job as a tour guide at Universal Studios <laughs> back in the uh, early to mid 80s. Wow. And I kept that job for about five and a half years or so. And what was nice about that job is one of the fringe benefits was um, you got to go down occasionally to the lower lot if uh, our supervisors could arrange tours for small groups of guides and we'd go down and watch some filming on a set or we'd go take a post-production tour so we could see a Foley stage, a scoring stage, uh, the different types of uh, sound editors, film editors, music editors. Um, so we got you know exposed to a lot of things, which just helped to make the fire burn even more intensely. Um, and so also through that job, yeah, it was, it was a great job and I still have so many good, good, good friends from the, from the tour, but, um, I started to go away from my performer roots because in high school and college, I both performed on stage and I also directed also, I love directing theater. So anyway, um, they helped me make some contacts on the lower lot and, uh, the sitcom coach hired me for just the tail end of their season just to be a set PA. And that basically means you're answering the phones and helping the assistant directors with paperwork and stuff like that. Uh, those producers took me on to a couple pilots, one of which was the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. And I worked on that pilot and then the first two seasons of Fresh Prince doing PA work and post-production PA work. Those producers helped to get me into the Directors Guild as a stage manager slash assistant director Wow. For a Patty LaBelle sitcom, in which I was the second second, and I was just in charge of the background, uh, which was plentiful because it was a, a show about a, a nightclub owner. So there was at least two scenes every show about the nightclub, and so there was a lot of extras to block. Uh, then that first AD took me with her as her second AD onto uh, the sitcom Boy Meets World, and then I became the first AD in year three of that, and that's also where I began my directing career then their final season, they gave me a chance to direct a great episode, which was by a first-time writer, and it was a spoof on Casablanca. So the first part of the uh, sitcom was in color, and then the uh, Topanga character gets sucked through a vortex in her closet and transported to black and white Casablanca, and they all took on different roles from the movie Casablanca. So it was fun. Our DP had a blast uh, directing or lighting for black and white and uh, that's how i got my directing start and then uh, that's amazing. there was an opening over at nickelodeon for a first ad i went over there and then started directing very soon and by the time my second season of nickelodeon work came which was on the show uh, amanda show and then uh drake and josh came along shortly after that i was pretty much directing full time Wow. So, so it looks like your path was just, you know, you, you, you hit one step of the ladder and you just kept walking up the ladder and it was, it's amazing. Cause like, there's so many people you hear they've interned or work somewhere and, and they can't even get to step two. And it just seems like you were just meant to be a director. I mean, the steps were just there and you just climbed up them, but obviously you do exceptional work. So I just think it's so cute, the Casablanca one, that TV show. That's amazing and so creative. So you went to Boy Meets World, then the Patti LaBelle, and then um, 
then uh, you went to yeah the the opposite of yeah <laughs> then you yeah, then from Boy Meets World I went to Nickelodeon for for the Amanda Show, um, Drake and Josh, and all that, um, and then uh, uh, iCarly came around shortly after that. Yeah, so iCarly, iCarly, you even did Zoe 101, and then Henry Danger. Do you like? Are you allowed to say if you had a favorite, or are you not allowed? To <laughs> oh, the cat. Oh, it's it's tough because the one beautiful thing about that producing group at Nickelodeon, uh, our casting director was amazing uh, along with our executive producer of not only the talent levels that they brought into the cast but also the personalities and uh I, it almost would have been easier if i could say if there was a show that i didn't like but uh I, I can't find that one for you um there's a there's a special place in my heart uh just because of longevity for uh drake and josh and i carly and henry danger we were just together for such a long time uh but i i love each and every one of the the cast and i have special memories from them all Oh wow, yeah, and and all of those kids like um, are doing extremely well um, in their careers. So th yeah. they must—they're lucky to have such a spectacular TV director to work with. And I wanted to ask you, so like you know, we we've always talked about directing films, but can you share anything with directing sitcoms? How is it different from a film, like single camera? And, and you said you rehearse, so we'd love if you could share a little bit about TV directing. Yeah, sure. And, uh, you know, we have done some uh, movies for TV with these shows also, but the sitcom format basically is uh, on the first day, which is usually Monday. But uh, if we were doing two shows at a time, one of the shows would then start on a Wednesday. Uh, but first day of the week, you have a table read where the cast gets together with the director and the producers. Um, and we go through the script. Uh, we just we just read it. And uh, the role of the director is I read all the stage directions uh, in between all the lines. And uh, then once we do that, the writers have a sense of timing and then they know where they want to start to attack the script as far as rewrites are concerned. Meanwhile, we go on to set, the actors and myself and some of the crew, and we put the show up on its feet. I give them blocking, we rehearse uh, to see where we're gonna be. And then that's pretty much it for the first day. The second day we come in and we rehearse some more uh, now that they have a good feel for it and they started to get on their lines as far as memorization. Uh, we rehearse more and then we have at the end of the day a run through, the first run through where the department heads and the writers and producers and the network comes down and they see it performed as a play. We just walk from set to set in, in scene order and we put on a play for them. Then they do more rewrites. We get the rewrites again. And then the third day we rehearse those new rewrites. And then at the end of the day, we do the second run through. And they then the writers make their last set of rewrites. And then we go in on Thursday to start shooting. Now in a lot of sitcoms, they'll have an audience. We stopped doing audiences in Nickelodeon years and years ago during Drake and Josh. Um, both the boys just wanted to save the time and not have to wait around while we loaded in an audience, warmed up the audience, did uh, cast intros and then got into the show. They'd just rather keep on going and get the day done a little earlier. So that's what we did. And it was just incumbent upon the writers, myself, our dialogue coach uh, to put in the laughs. So the actors knew where to hold their lines for where the laughs would break. Uh, so then uh, it turned out that we would start to pre-tape on Thursdays. Uh, which motion show to. And then on Fridays, a lot of uh, shows will do blocking and pre-taping and then their audience show, we would just continue our taping and then we'd get everything in the can by the end of that day. So that's a basic five-day format for a sitcom. 
Oh, wow. So, yeah. So um, would you say that people need a heavy theater experience, um, you know, if they would want to go in that medium? It seems like it looks really fun. Like you said, part of it seems to be like theater directing. And then then on the day of it's it's showtime, like uh, where it goes into a different kind of a format. Right. Yeah, very much so. And it is a little bit performance-wise like theater because you do have a proscenium. Uh, the audience is where the four cameras are. And so unlike film where you can pretty much turn any direction you want and have a conversation any way you want because we will then just move the camera and the lights to pick up all the different angles, you kind of have to play it out toward the audience, the four cameras. Um, so it would be great if the actors all had theater experience, but since they're coming in so young, usually to us, cause they usually come in around age, you know, 10 through 13 is when they start. Uh, most of them have only had a little commercial experience or a little film experience. They might've done the school play here or there. So we still have to kind of train them to what's going on. Um, but I always make the recommendation to young actors, go get theater experience because there's nothing better for a young actor than to perform a play and get that immediate feedback from the audience, whether you're delivering the joke right or the dramatic moment, you'll know if it's it's landing or not. And so it's a good way to hone your skills for that. And, and do you have a preference, like live audience, or did you are you missing the live audience, or is it like loving um, wrapping up early and going home? Like that must that must be nice. <laughs> yeah, and depending what the show is and how the cast is spread with their call times. Uh, Depends on how long or short our day is. Uh, the days would tend to get long. As Nickelodeon shows are, you know, filled with stunts and camera effects and special effects, much more than a regular primetime sitcom. So our days are very involved, very high pressure. But I got to say, I do miss uh, the audience shows because there's just something about that energy. Uh, and most actors really get pumped up by it. Once in a while, there will be an actor who just doesn't like it as much. They, they just get a little more... Uh, I don't know if nervous is the right word, but there's just a little more immediate pressure and they would rather have the safety and the security and the serenity of just their own crew with no audience. But I'd say at least 75, 80% of the actors probably feed off that live audience. Yeah. And, and then so, um, so can you share a little bit, like uh, you use the single camera. So is single camera mainly, would you say, is that specific to uh, sitcoms or what's the difference when when you're between a single camera TV show and a you know your other choices that you have? What, what is there a preference for and, you? And a multi. Yeah, multi camera. Sorry about that. Well, sit, sitcoms. Uh, yeah, sitcoms are always multi camera. We have A camera, B camera, C camera, and X camera. Oh. Um, and uh, the story is, and I forget that if this was Norman Lear or Gary Marshall, they both kind of take credit for this, but. There used to only be three cameras back in the days of I Love Lucy, Dick Van Dyke Show, The Honeymooners, all that. It was just A, B, and C camera. Um, and the way Gary Marshall tells the story was that um, for uh, the show Mork and Mindy uh, with Robin Williams, Robin was just so active and they liked to let him improv, be impulsive. They didn't really know where he was going to go when they started taping. They might have blocked it one way, but he might improvise. So oh. they brought in the X camera, which stood for extra camera. <laughs> and one of those cameras was just dedicated to follow Robin around. Uh, but then it became the standard, and we just never changed the name uh, X. Uh, so uh, you always have a four-camera spread in traditional sitcoms. 
Now there are shows like Modern Family and whatever that are more hybrid shows, and they will usually have a couple cameras working, more like a traditional single camera film crew. Um, but the, the movies that we did for uh, the different shows, uh, sometimes we'd still use multiple cameras, but you know, a lot of the time we had one or two camera setups, uh, like for Zoe 101, that was purely what you would call a single camera show. We shot, shot a, like a, a movie or a one-hour one hour episodic every week. Oh, wow. And uh, you also, you know, you went to school, um, you graduated from University of Southern California, and then you also attended University of Pacific uh -huh. studying theater and communications. Do you ever do uh, Alfred Hitchcock and, you know, do do some acting in any of your your shows? <laughs> um, I got forced to be in an episode of iCarly uh, called iCarly Saves Television. And um, we were... Uh, at the production meeting for that show, going over the script with all the department heads of, you know, what we needed for wardrobe and effects and music and stuff like that. And uh, we got to the part of the director of the show that I, Carly, was, go you know, going to become on television. And uh, the casting director said, uh, what should this person look like? And our executive producer, Dan Schneider, said, like Steve. And I said, oh, you tall? And I said, yeah, like Steve. And he goes, about what age? He goes, like Steve. And she goes, do you mean cast Steve? He goes, yes. <laughs> and I said, no. <laughs> and he said, yes. And I said, but I'm directing this, and I haven't acted since college. And he's like, no, you're going to be great. And he's like, all right. So I, I was in at least one scene, maybe two scenes. Uh, definitely did not steal the show by any means. But uh, that's my one credit. <laughs> oh, that's great. You did your little, um, your little Clint Eastwood, writer, director, you know. Well, yeah, that's awesome. And you also do Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you also do voice acting. So is Sam, Sam, did you do any voice acting in any of the shows you've done? Or can you, can you give us an impersonation of any um, little characters you've done? Oh, yeah. Any credits that you see from me voice acting are more because um, they looped something that they needed a director voice. So it's usually me saying action cut or do it again uh just in the background um also for the show uh the amanda show um in between scenes once a show you would see my back walk on and there would be a high jib shot and i was the, the first ad and you'd see me walk on saying okay great let's move it on and i'd hustle the cast off and so those are listed as my voice work so no i've never been cast as a traditional voice actor uh i think it'd be a fun career but i don't know if i have the talent for it uh so well you've got action cut do it again i like that because you know so so those are some techniques so that's awesome and um, so basically during COVID, you were already, you said that um, you don't have the audience anymore, but I was wondering how has it affected your, <clears throat> your, your work as a TV director on these shows? Right. Well, um, I haven't been working at COVID. We finished uh, Henry Ranger um, in November of 2019, just at the end of November, and I finished editing the last show, which was kind of a, a mini movie, um, in January of 2020, and then COVID hit. So uh, I was going to be looking for a new show, and there was just nothing to look for. <laughs> and now production is starting to come back, so uh, I will probably start to renew my search. But uh, uh, you know, in the interim, I've been uh, starting a, a podcast and been working on some development ideas of my own, which have just kind of been sitting there. And I've had uh, ideas for theater, for documentaries, for sitcoms, for some feature films, for, you know, uh, 
various cable projects. So it's time to start flushing some of those out and uh, a couple of them are coming along nicely, but nothing to report of. <laughs> so so during COVID, it's affected a lot of people's art. And um, so uh, that's good that you've been writing and being creative during COVID. And uh, can you tell us about your podcast that you started? Please tell us about it. The, uh, what's the name again? It's The Populist. It's just called a uh, populist and the L of list is uh, capitalized. It's all one word. And it's called that because we are a top 10 show. Uh, my co-host Kirk Trutner and I have been friends since uh, our early tour guide days. We trained as tour guides at Universal together. Um, and so we take on a different subject every week. We have a website uh, at uh, populistpodcast.net where people can go on and participate in our weekly poll. We always have the topic of the next episode up on the website and they can vote on their top 10 uh, choices. So the show is basically structured in the first half where Kirk and I talk about the subject. We give our top 10 lists in uh, reverse order and we discuss and debate. And then we usually have a guest in the second half who talks about the subject. They give us their list and then we read the results of the listeners list. So the show goes about hour 15, hour 25 minutes long usually. Uh, and we've done 12 episodes. Uh, the last one uh, that we did, um, oh, I'm drawing a blank. There's so many of them. Uh, oh, we did uh, Women of Rock, Women of Rock and Roll. And then uh, coming up, we're going to be doing uh, Best U.S. Cities to Visit. But as far as films are concerned, the very first episode we did was uh, uh, baseball films, top 10 baseball films. And then we've also done uh, top 10 romantic comedies, which we just did for our Valentine's Day episode. So we get to talk about film a lot, which makes me happy. Ah, that's fantastic. So um, so once again, can you repeat that? It's called, ju- not the, it's just Populist. 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 And you yeah, have- Populist or Populist with Stephen Kirk, either one. Okay. And then what was, um, where did they look that up? You said you had a web- website? Yes, at populistpodcast.net. And then uh, the show can be found on, you know, Spotify, Apple, Google, Amazon, uh, all the all the major carriers. It sounds fantastic. I'm definitely going to listen. Yeah, it might. I might even know a rock and roll a couple people to right. send your way. Yeah, it sounds fabulous. So, so how did um COVID, We know how COVID affected your art, and um, I just wondered, uh, did you do any fun things during uh, COVID? Did you learn how to ride a mic- motorcycle or something fun like that? Any crazy kind of skills that you just on your bucket list? <laughs> <laughs> um, not so much. Um, we got a little boating in uh, on a river. I've got a small boat and then I uh, was flying my drone, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, we got a 10-month-old puppy a little while ago, a Labrador, and so we've been breaking her in and having a lot of fun with her. But I think my main COVID activity has been watching movies with my, uh, my teenager who uh, just turned 19, and we've been watching... Uh, series of movies uh lord of the rings movies uh we watched all the marvel movies in order uh, the oceans movies uh the harry potter movies uh star wars you know we've been going through all these things so a lot of movies having a lot of fun uh so that's been a, a major COVID activity activity for me yeah well i know you're gonna um be on a show soon and uh well where can the audience like keep up with you do you have a facebook page do you have a website where they can see what movies or tv shows or books or podcasts where they can just kind of just keep up with you and just find out what you're doing? Yeah, well, my uh, I've got my director's uh, reel, my, some of my clips from my career on uh, Vimeo, just as Steve Hafer uh, on Vimeo. Um, and uh, the Populous Podcast uh, site is a good one. Um, and then, uh, geez, I should have written this down because my memory is horrible, but I am on LinkedIn. 
and I'm also on uh, uh, Instagram, and I, I tweet also. Uh, nothing really professional on Facebook, so I wouldn't oh. even throw that one out there. Uh, what's your tweet handle? <laughs> Yeah, that's what I knew you were going to ask me. Um, uh, okay. Is it a fun name what? or is it your name? <laughs> it's it's my name. Um, and uh, shoot, I'm sorry. It, it, it escapes me. This is part of the reason uh, getting old is not great. <laughs> <laughs> well, well they, they can find you on your podcast. So I'm so excited to, um, to listen to your podcast. And when, when do you launch it? Is it once a week or what is it? What day is the new one coming out? It's. It's about once every ten days. Uh, so we just uh, we just released the Women of Rock one uh, about two days ago, and then the next one will be coming out on the third of March, and that will be the uh, the favorite U.S. cities. But you can you can catch up with all the old ones as with any podcast. Uh, all the other episodes are sitting there. Oh yeah! Wow. Well, we just wanted to say thank you for coming to the show today. It's been a pleasure, and we learned so much from you. And we're I'm so excited to hear what new TV show or film that you'll be directing. And uh, I'll be listening to your populist podcast. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a blast. Yeah. And thank you, everyone. Thank you, Filmatics, for listening. Until next week, cheers. Stay healthy. Bye, everyone.